The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Adjacent. You're listening to the Sports Adjacent. Okay, I like that. I just learned something new today. Adjacent. With Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey on the House of L Network. We're doing everything I dreamed of as an adjacent. Tony asked me in small talk, what does it mean to me to be white? And I was telling him that it's not anything. It's not a factor. Like, as a straight white male, nothing about, nothing innate about me or how I look or anything ever comes into play in any situation. And that's part of white privilege is you don't have to worry about that. You would never have to consider it. You'd never have to be, oh, I'm a white person walking in here. I'm a white person walking in here. I'm a guy walking in here. Oh, I'm a straight guy in this situation. Like, you, it, it's not a factor. That's like part of what, it's part of what white privilege is, is that you would never have to consider that. I never uh, think at any time, like, I walk into stores all the time, especially if I'm on the road, like on my way to work or something, like I might walk in from a hotel to something I'm covering and in in a, in a downtown urban space somewhere, there you'll go into like a Walgreens or something and it'll say no backpacks or something like that or no bags of any kind. I don't worry about that. Like I don't sit there and think, ooh, are they going to be like, oh, that's a white guy with a bag. Like that doesn't come up. There's no situation where uh, being white is a factor in any situation. I don't think I can't imagine my life without not thinking about that. Of course not. And, of course not. <laughs> and, and, I think, I think and, any, any minority, any woman, uh, yeah. any like cultural minority would feel, would of course say that, that this is, this would be a foreign concept to them that they didn't have to take into account, but it's like their, their race or appearance or the innate qualities about them. And I, I guess my, my thing is like, I don't, is that a part of being black is having to think about being black like all the time in any yes, situation. It's, and yes. it's like, what is, what is life past that? And, and it's like, if I teach my children, like, don't think about it. Does it make them not be black because of that, because of that shared experience? And it's like, it's a, it's a lot to think about all the time. Like, Oh man, where I wonder how many black people are in here. Like that's one of my first thoughts when I walk into a room of business or of anything else like that, or a large group of people. Doesn't surprise me at all. That's and it's like I've heard other black friends say. And I don't. It's constantly there. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Like it would be nice not to think about, but I don't. I don't understand an existence without thinking about that. That's really weird. Yeah, that's. I'm with you. I. I would be surprised to hear you say anything other than that. No matter what space you operated in, I wouldn't I would be surprised to hear anything different than that based on yeah. my conversations with my black friends over the years and just thinking about things logically through somebody else's eyes. But there isn't like 
if there's anything kind of like what you're talking about, about like identity, like deliberate, intentional identity in being white for some white people, there is a lot of pride in whatever your specific ancestry is, mm-hmm. like in being Italian, being of Italian descent or being of Irish descent or something like that. But that, again, is a different concept from what a lot of the black experiences were like, you, you don't you a lot of black people can't trace their lineage back that far. No, right. something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So is this is I, I think it's the reason why I ask that is because I just got done watching Atlanta and they do a lot of thinking of identity and what it means to be black and what. And it's like, man, like is it really just the trauma that binds us all? <laughs> like the the having to think about that constantly? Like would it, it me thinking about not thinking about that would be a total load off of my mindset going into any particular situation, any job, any 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 place like it would just be a huge relief not to think about that. But I cannot not think about that. It's just, yeah. sometimes I'm like, is it, is it an acquired trait? Did I, is it in, inherently built into raising a black child? Or is it something that you just learn over time, which is also kind of crazy and you know, messed up in its own kind of way so it's, it, I don't know why I thought about that I think the the show the show is really good like Atlanta is extremely good and it just kind of makes you think about kind of all of that like who am I if I don't think about this constantly and then I was like I don't know I, I really don't know I that again it sounds like a lot of things that other friends of mine have told me and it's really it's really an interesting space when you are for someone i i would think i I don't know this firsthand but like if you're a white person and you're in uh you're you're married and having kids with a person of color then you do have to like really give thought to that even though it has not been your experience it has not applied to you uh in your personal life every day you have to give a lot of thought to that experience. Or if you adopt a child of color, like you really have to be, I've heard people say like, well, what does it matter? What does it matter? Like, uh, uh, you know, what is it? I wouldn't say that I would just approach it as it doesn't matter. I wouldn't just ignore that. I would, I, w- I would embrace that and engage that head on, I think. And it is a, what you're describing, for example, Tone, about like always thinking when you walk into a situation, oh, how many other black people are here? Oh, I'm in the minority situation. That's the next level of stuff that I've been thinking about in my 30s. Because we grow up, like, we, no matter how you grow up, I think you grow up learning about racism. You know something about racism, but you don't necessarily get taught, or at least I didn't, uh, at that deep of a level. And I've started to, you know, maybe in the last five to 10 years, get so much of a better understanding of and, and empathy to the most extent that I can of what that must be like to have that front of mind all the time, to have that as a barrier all the time, to have that putting you in danger all the time, making you un- uncomfortable all the time. And what you, I think you said it very well. Like you, you just imagine what it must be like to not have to worry about that. And I think a lot of 
white people, including me until more recently, giving this a lot more thought and doing a better job of listening to my black friends about stuff like this and asking about stuff like this. You just never have to think about that. And you don't even realize what, uh, what a free pass and what a privilege that is on a daily basis and how much stress you're just immune to and exempt from you just, it doesn't come up. So it's interesting. I, I like having this conversation with you. Um, was this the existential existential question you wanted to have? Yeah, yeah, I really want to get Russ's. Yeah, I really want to get okay. Russ's, you know, idea. Like, I know I'm not alone in this thinking, but I don't know I've ever heard it, you know, expressed in in this manner of have you imagined not having to think about that as front of mind in every way possible? Russ, the floor. Um Imagined it? No, you feel it when like I'm just around other black people, right? Because everybody has a similar experience in the room. So you, it's not the oh I'm in a room full of white people. Am I the only black person in here? Yes. Like I know everybody in here has a similar experience. I know everybody's like me. Everybody got the same hair um, consistency. Everybody has the same complexion. All right, cool. We just chilling. I think that's the the only time where you're really allowed to have that that thought because in every other aspect of life, you're not because people don't look like you. People don't come where you come from. And what you and Jason were talking about in sense of like what connects us. I think the advantage that white people have is you have, Oh, I'm Irish and I can be very proud of that. Or I'm Italian and I can be very proud of that. Or, um, I am Greek. I'm Greek. Right. I have long Italian roots that I'm very, very proud of. Right. You have that. People have that because they know you can trace it back. For us, it is. Right. That is your culture as a person. Like your heritage is that. For us as black people, you could do 23andMe. You could do Ancestry.com. But it's really, I mean, like you can get a general area, but there's, you know, very few times can you get the exact thing. And so for us coming over here, it started a new, like our culture starts off the boat and then started black culture, black as we know it, right? Yes, you have African culture, but black culture as we know it started when we came off the boat. And that's why um, a lot of our experiences tie us together because, you know, a lot of that pride that we have obviously we're proud as black people we're proud um as descendants of africans but at the same time it's not the same pride that somebody who knows the direct lineage back to ireland the direct lineage back to england the direct lineage back to the old country in italy have because it was taken from us right and so we really had to start from scratch when we came over here if that makes sense I, I, I thought about it more as I, you know, think about bringing up a family and thinking about bringing up children and stuff. It's like, man, do I really want to pass trauma down? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I get you. And if I think, and it, if, I, I think it's it's it it is part of our heritage, and that and that's the thing is like, I don't. I don't have things to pass down in, in that aspect. Like, of course I have things to pass down and stuff that I've learned and picked up from and all that stuff. But in terms of who, who we are as a, as a people, 
essentially what binds us all together is the trauma. And it's like, if I don't pass that down, I'm not going to have a kid that under fully understands and embraces what it is to be black. But the side effect is weighing them down with the idea of what it means to be black in America. And it's like, that's a, it's, it's a messed up choice to have to make. I know what I'm going to have to do because I don't, I can't have my kid being oblivious to how the world works. I mean, that's, that's how you, you know, (laughs) that's how you get shunned by the community. So I can't have that, but also understanding like, man, I have to do this thing where I have to tell my kid, people are going to think that you're lesser. That sucks. Yeah, but I think it's part of a bigger conversation. I, I don't think that is the only conversation you have. And there's so much I'm proud of being a black person, being a person of oh, color yeah. where it's like, yeah. Yeah, but and I think you, you paint the picture like that. Like, yes, this is part of who we are as black people, as people of color. This is what we've had to go through. This is what we still go through. At the same time, I'm proud to be who I am. I'm mm-hmm. proud to mm-hmm. be different. I'm proud to be black. I'm, And you that's how we continue to move this thing forward and continue that pride is because it's like all that trauma that we talk about as part of our history doesn't keep us down as a people, right? Like that, that's not it. We could have just been like, Oh, well, woe is me. Right. But it's like, no, like I can do anything that somebody else can. And who I am doesn't mean I can't do X, Y, and Z. And so you have to keep the pride as a part of that conversation to push it forward to be like, no, this is who we are. And we're proud of that. Despite the fact that other people look at us differently, we can continue to have and continue to accomplish great things. Thanks, guys. That was that was some heavy stuff. But, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you asked. <laughs> I, it was a great question. This is what you get, Russ, is with Tony. It's like you're either going to get uh what are your top five favorite bodily functions, which is an right. actual segment he's pitched once, or what does it Terrible. mean to be white? Which is a great question and very interesting question and like a conversation I would love to have with you, it's man. It's different. Um, that's that's what the that's what being friends with Tony is. That's what the experience is. is you could have either or both. Like if you sit down with him for a few hours, like you're going to get questions in both categories. And also some thoughts on like, you know, why he gets, why he's comfortable when he sees squirrels around and why that brings him peace, things like that. Like the guy is all over the place. It's a, it's a thrill ride being friends and trying to have a conversation with Tony Gill. Ah, the blessing of sports adjacent. Yes. Welcome to sports adjacent, by the way. Um, I guess that's, I guess that's going in the show. <laughs> At least uh, part of it. We, we did, uh, we were uh, other than Tony. I don't think either uh, Russ or I was expecting that. And uh, you know, hopefully, if uh, hopefully, if there's anywhere where we didn't do a great job discussing that, you'll show us some grace. But welcome to Sports Adjacent. I'm Jason Leisure. My co-host Russ Dorsey and uh, Tony Gill with his potpourri of segment topics and conversation starters is one of my favorite things about him. Is the variety and unpredictability. Um, Sports Adjacent is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. You can go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA, and you can get $23 off 
no promo code needed. Just go to our link. That's our link. You'll automatically get $23 off applied at checkout. You still have plenty of time. This episode, Russ, is going to come out June 9th, uh, Thursday morning, June 9th. Plenty of time when you hear this. If you're hearing it on Thursday, June 9th, or even a, you know, a little after, plenty of time for you to put in an order for Father's Day and still get it there on time. Let me tell you how this is going to go, okay? Here, Russ, you want to you role play here? I'll be the kid. I'll be the sure. uh, You'll be the dad. I'm okay. going to bring you some sheets and giggles. And you're like, what? I, I This isn't, you know, usually Father's Day, you get like, uh, you know, a tie or something or a, a golf club. Yeah. Okay. So I ordered sheets and giggles. It comes in this pur- 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 purple box. It's bed sheets. And I'm bringing this to you for Father's Day. And I'm like, here, Dad. All right, let me let me open up this box of sheets. Oh, sheets and giggles. There's a uh, there's a, a sleep mask in here that I didn't know would come with it. That's awesome. And 100% eucalyptus sheets. That seems like that's good for the my. Oh, these soft sheets, son. These are awesome. <laughs> me and your mom could really get down on these. Whoa, like whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay. You want to read today? So it's probably what your pops is thinking. All right. Well, I mean, either you, you know, in the end, your dad's going to be happy, and that's yes. the goal of Father's Day, right? <laughs> yes. Go to sheetsgiggles.com/sa, and you'll get twenty three dollars off applied automatically at checkout. Uh, I love their sheets. I can tell you about the eucalyptus and all the stuff Russ said, but they're just super soft, super comfortable they're sheets. They're just great they're worth sheets. every penny, and we'll save you some of those pennies with the twenty three dollars off. Sheetsgiggles.com/sa. Hmm. There was a lot to take in there, Tone. Whoa. Uh, what did you, <laughs> how, how did you, uh, what would you, how would your dad react, Tone, if you uh, got him a bed sheet? I think that if my, if I got my dad bed sheets for Father's Day, uh, without like, if we hadn't, you know, without them being a sponsor of the show and everything, I think he would be kind of like, uh, what? Like, if there was nothing that, you know, preceded it, if he hadn't heard on our podcast us talking about it for the last hour many months, and I just out of the blue gave him bed sheets for, Father's Day, I think he'd be like, uh, what are these? But then he'd right. sleep on them and then he'd know. Or, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, do the, the rest situation, right? Like, your dad's huh? confused. Why, why'd you get him sheets? Dad, I'm telling you, it's about, it's about to go down. I would never tell you my father that. Me? Tony would. Tony 100% would say that to his <laughs> you parents. Oh, I don't, I don't see, you know, it's funny. I don't I, think so. I, I think, think he would. I, I, I think he would think, say it to his in-laws. I, I think, I think, it I think his parents, he holds in a different regard. That's why he oh, doesn't have them Russ. listen to this oh, episode, the, the, the shows that we do. Oh, that is, ex- but Russ, this is, they this is exactly why the they don't listen to the show. It's because I do this at home. <laughs> Bro, can you imagine living with Tony 24-7? He's told us about what it's like, and so I can somewhat for, imagine. For, no, but for, but for 30 years, you live with what no we escape. know as Tony Gill. Yeah, no escape. Uh, that'd be tough, yeah. That's rough, man. Shout out to your parents, bro. Hey, Dude, they are happier than he is about him getting married. They literally go into the strongest people I know because of that. They've lived with yes. you for 30 years <laughs> yes. in the same house. Uh, Russ, speaking of relationships, do you remember, uh, was it last week? Yeah, last episode we talked about my brother's dilemma yes. with the dog. Uh, Is there an update? This, well, there's some clarifications and maybe some of what would be considered an update. The situation overall still in flux, but uh, my brother listens to our discussion of it and was very fascinated and uh, 
I, I got a call today with a few notes, just so you okay. know. Because um, you guys had some questions during this, and I'm sure the listeners had some questions during this. Uh, and so if, if you missed last week, my brother, uh, kind of in that rust space of single and dating and everything like that, uh, has a, a woman that he really likes, but uh, there's a big red flag, a big issue here with the dog. The dog snores very loudly. My brother can't sleep. Uh, he told me, and this I didn't know beforehand, the dog sleeps where she sleeps, period. Oh, Every night. Oh, 365. No. Oh, no. So when she, so I thought this only happened when he was at her place. I guess I should have thought like, well, you wouldn't just leave a dog alone overnight. So when she comes over to his place, Russ, the dog comes with. Absolutely not done. We're done. It's over. <laughs> uh, the, the first time he, uh, he didn't quite put it that way, but the first time that he was like, um, wait, your dog's coming over. Uh, it was immediately met with, wait, What? You don't like my dog? And, no. uh, yeah. That dog. But see, hey, here's the thing. Like, you're allergic to dogs. You've never had a dog. You never will have a dog. Yeah. Uh, Jake's actually a, a dog person. He doesn't have a dog, but he actually loves dogs. He babysits people's dogs. He's, he's really, really likes having a dog. I'm kind of surprised he doesn't have a dog because how much he likes dog. He just doesn't like this dog. I'm with him. I mean, I mean, but what if we got the Nancy Reagan? No, it doesn't. Tony. Nancy Reagan in this show one way or another, you know he's Because here's my issue, y'all. You don't just bring your dog unannounced. You don't know what my policy of my apartment is. You don't just bring your bum ass dog to my house. No, you ask first. Hey, out of respect for you, can I bring my dog to your apartment? And like... And, and and then to throw the guilt trip on, oh, you don't like my dog? No, I don't like your bum-ass dog. I mean, what if it's the dog? They don't know, Tony. I promise, I promise that doesn't matter. Because uh, there's a lot of Nancy Reagan out here with no dog. It gets worse. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you had asked about putting it, maybe the dog can be in a separate room. Right. And I, and I think I might have mentioned that they tried to, my brother was much more specific. The dog not only whimpers, but barks. Uh, if you put it in another room constantly until you let it back in, um, oh, which not not great, you know. If you live in an apartment no. building, and other people can all. hear that, not really. Uh, I still haven't gotten to the worst part, Russ. <laughs> yes, Tom. No, I was saying. I mean, that this is you got to consider, right? If this is a long term thing, you know, the children. She's a bad dog owner. Her dog is totally dependent on her. That that dog needs therapy. Dogs aren't she, supposed to be that dependent. On their person, they have Let personalities. It. They have so it's like you got to think about: Could she raise a child? Uh, she might be perfectly happy with her relationship with her dog, and she might find someone else that's not my brother who also feels that way and thinks this is all fine. Everybody's very different about their dogs, man. I'm I kind of see her side too of like if this is how she likes things. Uh, I'm not. Giving up a dog for somebody that I'm dating. That's not enough of a commitment for me to give. So I kind of get it. Uh, obviously, I, I sided with my brother, and his complaints seem to make a lot of sense. Russ, I still haven't 100% even gotten, valid. Oh, I still have, valid. Oh, Russ, I still haven't even gotten to the worst part. Oh and please, God. please do me a favor uh, as as co-owner of Sports Adjacent LLC. Yes, sir. And please be careful what you say into the mic over the next uh, two minutes. Okay? Uh, let me mute myself. 
So you know how dogs will sometimes, uh, no, 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 unmute, but just do your best, okay? <laughs> do your best. Uh, you know how dogs sometimes will get triggered by some noise that they hear, maybe mm-hmm. if they hear a squeak or something like that. Uh, this dog in particular get, it gets set off and starts going berserk if it hears any kind of kissing noise. Which, you know, almost everything uh, good in life starts with a kissing noise. (laughs) So the move is when that happens, throw the dog a treat and run in the other room and close the door for your privacy. But uh, the dog eats the treat in like eight seconds and is no longer content and will start with the barking and the whimpering and... uh, that's not the most pleasant soundtrack mm, to whatever's going on. To love making. Yeah. Mm, a dog bark. Right. And uh, the dog, either because of uh, anxiety or, I don't know, maybe I'm giving dogs too much credit here, uh, or revenge, uh, often pees on the floor outside in response to this. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the worst dog ever. She is an awful trainer. She pro- okay. Easy for you to say. Like you can't control a dog. I bet she sucks. <laughs> I bet she sucks at Pokemon. At Pokemon? What does that have to do with it, this? It, it's 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 going to. It's not because they train Pokemons. Yes, yes, Jason. Where Pokemon never evolve. Or dog, apparently. Rusty, <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, this is okay. a terrible situation. Like, yeah. honestly, just date the dog, bro. Like, I'm cool. Like, if I'm Jake, if I'm Jake, I'm just like, I'm out, bro. Because, like, I'm not going to be running around, tiptoeing around your dog so I could kiss you because the dog feels left out. Like, no, absolutely not. This is this is this has gone too far. And the fact that she, he, they they're trying to do this. Dog, it's a dog. I got you. Nah. Oh my. Go go ahead, Tony, because I'm about to get mad. Now it's time for a Chicago Bears segment we call. This is fine. I'm okay with the events that are unfolding currently. Everything's fine. That's okay. Things are going to be okay. I don't think that's what Russ meant by go ahead, Tony, but uh, okay. Uh, Everything's Fine is our regular segment where we check in on everything being just totally fine with Chicago Bears. Uh, Akeem Hicks, you remember him, Russ? I do. Remember remember Akeem Hicks? I do. Uh, Very popular bear. He went to Tampa in the offseason, said there was no consideration given to coming back to the Bears. Not clear, really, if that was his choice or their choice or mutual. Regardless, I don't see why he would have wanted to come back to the Bears at this point in his career. Uh, he did, gave his first press conference in Tampa this week as part of the Bucks, talking about being with Tom Brady, who he played with in New England before. And he said when he first came into the league, he was his first two quarterbacks were Drew Brees and Tom Brady. And then he said, when I went to Chicago, my quarterbacks were not exactly Tom Brady or Drew Brees. Uh, would you like to hear the quarterbacks who started for the Bears during Akeem Hicks' six seasons? 
Let me get my uh, Tums real quick because my yeah. stomach is going to be upset. Just uh, let me know if any of these sound like a Tom Brady or Drew Brees type player. Brian Hoyer, Jay Cutler, Matt Barkley, Mike Glennon, Mitch Trubisky, Chase Daniel, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, and the TBD Justin Fields. Uh, they had a Tom Brady backup in there and Brian Hoyer, but that's about it. That might be the closest they got, yes. That's awful. Tony, did you have any more thoughts about the dog situation? Is there any deal breaker for you? Let's say let's say you're uh well, you have found someone perfect, obviously. So this is purely hypothetical, but let's say you find someone perfect, but they're like they've got like for me, I think if they were a smoker, I just don't think I could do it. Or if they had a cat, I'm badly allergic to cats, like in Russ's case. I think this is where you you know, where the rubber meets the road. How much does this person like you? You know? How much does this person um, you know, want to be with you, right? Is there a compromise that can be made? Can they see how unreasonable this situation is and can be? Um, and if they don't, then an ultimatum needs to be had, right? It's like, look, I tried to compromise. I tried to get you to understand what the issues are. If you are blazing through those uh, those road signs, we got to make a decision. It's, 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 it's got to be me or the dog. I think it's going to be the dog, given that we're talking about this for a second straight cool. episode. Make out with your dog, which she probably does anyway, because she Whoa. seems like that type. Whoa, um, you don't even know this person. Jeez. She seems like she's the dog, the type to let her dog lick her in the mouth. Come on, let's be serious here. Mm, inside <laughs> the mouth or around the mouth? Mm, you know how you know how they are, Tony. The the dog loving people. They they let the dog get up in there a little bit. That's it's because here's my thing. If the dog licks you on the lips, it might as well be in the mouth. Because what's the difference? Man, open mouth. Man. To me, on the mouth, you might as well open it up. I don't right, want to be you. licked by an animal of any kind. We have dogs, and I like our dogs, but I don't. I have no desire to be licked. I mean, dog. there's a certain like you know level of understanding with the with the animal, right? That's how they show love. No, they lick. absolutely not. You know, you, you obviously say, "Hey, I don't like to be licked in my face," and they understand. Like, hey, you lick my hand. <laughs> they absolutely do not understand. Okay, <laughs> they do. It depends on how you train the dog. It's like, hey, you can lick my hand. It's fine. That's how they show affection. Is by licking. So a certain degree of licking. Bro, people, I've seen so many people, and I wouldn't just say this willy nilly if I haven't seen ample examples, but like people getting, oh, and then the dog like licks them all up in the mouth and stuff in the face. And then like they let it happen, bro. They don't turn their face away. They let it happen. Dog licking, just lick their and then just go lick people in their face. The dog licks their own is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Or, or, or another dog. No, so no, we, okay, yes, that's fine too. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, what's the sound effect you were making? Is that the person or the dog? No, the person. He's just getting in there. Let me hear it again. Russ, did you have a music topic that you wanted to get into? Today? I do have a music topic. So I was, you know, I'm a music is it, lover. Is it Chris Brown versus Michael Jackson or no? It, it is not because that's one-sided and it's Mike all day. Um, so that's a very short segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I was thinking I'm a music lover. Like, I'm, and I tell people all the time, like, I love music 
more than I love sports, which for people that know me is like, oh my God, that's crazy. But it's like, I love music so much. And a topic that I want to talk to you guys about was what album would you have picked if you could pick one and say, they, they say you get to sit in the studio for the creation of this album. What album would you pick and why? Any Kanye album. Literally any Kanye. Mm, I, I, need, I need you to be more specific. Oh, man. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And this is the same reason why I, I just like that one because sonically it's great. Um, but literally any Kanye album for the same reason, right? Um, his mind, the way his mind works musically and sonically is amazing. And I need to know the process. I need to know what does he listen to on a regular basis where he can pick out a sample. How does he want to flip a sample? Um, how does he get the most out of uh, other people that rap on his beats? Um, as a producer that wants to create an environment for fun and creativity, uh, I think Kanye does that very, very well musically. And I think My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy sonically is my favorite. And I would like to see his process on how he sees music, what he does in terms of flipping uh, samples, uh, and just his thought process overall in in the in the booth, and obviously, no matter the beefs he's had, like Drake still comes back because he knows like the way Kanye makes music is legendary. So yeah, mm-hmm. like it will be that album, but literally any Kanye album, I would want to see how he does it. And obviously, his his older stuff is is better than his newer stuff, but. He's going to give you some stuff to listen to, right? Like, you may not like his verses or anything, but musically, sonically, he's going to give you heat. And that's something without a doubt. He's going to give you something that you're going to want to, you know, bang in the car. So, yeah, it's definitely any kind of album. But if I had to pick one, it'd probably be My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I, I agree with you, Tone, in the sense that, like, it would be fascinating to watch him work at any point in his career and for very different reasons at different points. But I feel like, uh, you know, you, you saw, um, in the Netflix documentary, you know, to your point tone, like Justin Bieber was out there, uh, to record with him, like as crazy, as far off the rails as Kanye has gone, like you still can't deny his talent and people still want to work with him. I think that this conversation like illustrates for me that I'm not actually a music person. Everybody kind of thinks of themselves as a music person. Everybody likes like music. the worst. Exactly. That'd be like the worst uh, first date question to be like, um, so do you like music? I mean, you might as well be like, do you like things? Um, but the reason being is like, when you ask that question, I don't really think of, I have artists that I really like and songs that I really like, but I don't really think in terms of albums. And I think that's where I'm seeing like, Hey, I'm not really a true music person lover because I don't really think of it that way. I don't like identify those individual pieces of art. I will say like two, two uh, performers and um, writers, these guys write their own songs. And I think they're like phenomenal writers that I would love to be in the room with in the studio with, and just kind of hear their process of how they do their songs are the Avid brothers and Jason Isbell. I think Jason Isbell 
is as good of a writer, uh, songwriter as anybody out there right now. Who are those gentlemen? (laughs) (laughs) You don't know who those people are at all? Have you ever heard of those people? No. Russ? I've heard of them. You've heard of both of them. But I'm also a music lover fan. Um, So I have... Uh, so you can go to your local library and uh, check out a CD of one of those people. I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing this with y'all today. Uh, I chose three albums that, if I got to sit in the studio and hear their creation, it would be a life changing experience. First and foremost, "Songs in the Key of Life," Stevie Wonder. To me, one of the greatest albums ever created. If you look at the track list of the songs. On there, a good 80% of those went number one. So fantastic. Uh, album number two, Purple Rain. Sitting in print, uh, in, in the studio with Prince and seeing why he pitched, picked the instruments that he did, how he wanted to arrange the music, and the fact that he was going to play the instruments himself. Same thing with Stevie. I think to get in the mind of the ultimate musician, somebody who's like, yeah, I'll sing it, but I also have to play it. And if you're going to play it, this is how you need to play it. Last but not least, Thriller. Sit in the studio with Michael and Quincy Jones and really see how they put together Thriller, the album that made Mike into a icon, is something for me that I think is so cool. Uh, and I, I know this is different from what we talk about usually on the show, but it's just like I, thinking about how I think of music, and it, it's part of my thing. And even Jason, you say I don't think I'm a, a music person like that, is because I like to see how other people think about music. Because yeah. to me, I listen to music doing everything: writing, running, working out, in the background. Like it, it's such a big part of my brain and you know my mom's from Detroit so growing up listening to a lot of of Motown like and then keeping that with me and growing up in church you get a lot of that like oh I love music for that reason too you grew up singing uh it would it was gonna be the thing and we we're gonna talk about this at some point like what you would do if you weren't doing this job like my brother, I think I told my brother this. I don't know if a ton of people know, but like if I didn't go into like sports writing, I would have tried to go to Berkeley, the music school, learn how to songwrite and like sing as a career. And so like that's where my like love of music comes from. So it's so so it's such a big part of me. I always think of it or and ask people like what does music mean to you because it means so much there's so many different things to different people. What you would have been, I really like music, like all, like what you describe about listening to music all the time. That's me too. I yeah. just realize when I have these conversations with people, I realize there's a difference between how I appreciate music and how other people do, because I just don't, don't, I don't have individual albums that really stand out in my head. And by the way, um, they did, uh, they did like a, do- they did a documentary on the Avid brothers and a, do- a documentary is like controlled. There's always so much that they don't show you that you know goes on and you don't get to see they did it they did like inside the studio with them working on one of their albums and it was really interesting 
And I, I, I just think it'd be interesting to hear to be able to witness anybody working at their craft at the top of their game like that. But like you mentioned Prince, for example, um, if you ask me, do I like Prince? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like I'll listen to Prince. Um, if you ask me what's your favorite Prince album, I'm like, I don't know. And uh, I like he had this famous performance, this halftime performance at the Super Bowl, and I covered that Super Bowl when I was like 22 or 23, and was I saw it live and had zero appreciation of what it was. I mean, I enjoyed it and everything, but I didn't have any grasp of like this is an all time legendary Super Bowl halftime performance. Or anything like that. When you say Rusty, you think you would have gone into singing as your other career. Like, mm-hmm. what what kind of artist do you envision? Would you envision yourself being? I'm a big R and B guy, and so like for me, growing up in church where you get thrown in the choir at a young age, it's like if you look at any big act, Snoop, Beyonce, whatever, like they started singing in church. And so that was like the, the, the foundation, but it was like the more I heard music, it was like, oh man, I like this. And it wasn't just one genre. It was obviously I love R and B and that would have been the, like the, the lane that I went into at the same time. It was like a Bonnie Raitt, right? Somebody like that who is technically a country singer, but there was soul in there and there was uh, R&B vibes in there, uh, blues in there. And then wanting to take that and and it was for me, it was like, okay, writing music would be super cool. I can obviously sing. So it's like, okay, I'll go to music school and really learn how to put songs together and, and write music and learn music and read music, like really learn how to read music. Cause I can like kind of read music, but I can't really read music to the point where it's like, okay, I, this note needs to go here and be able to do it to put a song together. So that's what I would have done. Um, and you know, obviously life takes you different directions, but it, it is my love for music is still very much there. Even now it's worked out. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. I don't regret it, but it's like, my love and passion for music is still very much here. Tony has been like, uh, you know, the way you have to like fight back a sneeze. If you're live, Tony has been fighting back the equally compulsive urge to blurt out R Kelly's name during that. I'm right. Aren't I Tony? Yeah. He's laughing and shaking his head. Yeah. That's what he wanted to say, but he bit his tongue. What did you want? What did you want to say? I saw, I saw him do it. Tony, no one can hear you right now. It's because I'm right. Try to be one percent better, guys. Yeah, <laughs> about time. Russ, what's what's uh, what's like an album or an artist that you would play in your apartment by yourself, like enjoy, just to enjoy and just listen, doing nothing else, just listening to the music that hmm. that we would. But hold on, second part to the question. I'm going to do that. It, that we would not expect that we would be kind of stunned to hear that you, you know, like to turn up some John Mayer and croon in your apartment. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of some crooning. Huh? Somebody that you would not expect. That's a good question, Jason. Uh, I'm going to think here for a second because I listen to a lot of music and it's a lot of different genres. Obviously, I have my genres that I think are my favorite, but 
Hmm. What about you, Tone? What's something you listen to that would shock me? Loose ends. I don't know what that is. What is that? 80s pop is my bag. Really? For some reason, my ear loves 80s pop. It could be randomly on in a store. I'm nodding or doing something. 80s music, for some reason, is 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 my is my bag. So I, whatever 80s is going on, I'm, I'm here for it. You, were you even alive in the 80s? I was not. Do you, so, like, do you get that from your parents, or where no. do you think that comes from? I think just sonically, my ear likes, for some reason, that sound. Um, I don't know. I just kind of gravitated towards it. So I got a, like a bunch of random, and I don't really have a connection to any of these artists, but random '80s music, early '90s music is for some reason my ear really likes that. So hmm. that's that's probably my. With it. And then I, I got I got some like super heavy metal, some stuff in there. Really? Di- I will, Diarrhea that's, 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 that's very that's, yeah. That got that's, a little surprise out of Russ's face too. Yeah, I'm I'm a little intrigued by it. Tony. Tony, where did your love of the heavy metals come from? Uh, I like music based off of feeling, right? What does this music make me feel? And certain sounds, certain chords really catch my attention so um i like a lot of dramatic uh core pro- uh, core progressions um i like drums a lot i like and in, in heavy metal there's a lot of uh double pedal kick drums which i think is cheating you got to do it with one or i don't believe you um, <laughs> so but yeah like those are the the different aspects of of music that i like and heavy metal has has a lot of that um so yeah, a lot of riffs that I enjoy. So yeah. Uh, so a couple. So one of them is old school hollow notes. I think okay. there's so much just quality music, but it also ties into R and B and soul with hollow notes. I think one a newer act, uh, Coldplay, and okay. I think for me, Coldplay. The song making ability and to just to hear a Coldplay song and be like, man, that's a really good song, like beautiful music. Like to me, one of my my favorite song by Coldplay, it might might not be their most uh, popular song, but it's called True Love. Um, It is to me sonically such a beautiful song. And when I think of music, that's how I look at it, where it's like, man, this was so well put together right every note is there for a reason every uh chord is there for a reason the harmony is there for a reason the background vocals are there for a reason that's why one of the reasons i love music because when i listen i i break it down that way some people listen it's like i'm just listening to a song and i even have times like that but like sometimes i just really listen sit there and break it down like man putting the song together you did this this is you did this put this here for this exact reason it's only in the song for like two seconds but it makes such a difference um yeah those are probably two that it's like oh okay i think the thing i'm more like that about as far as like deconstructing it and analyzing it is tv shows like comedy or something like that like i'll notice something that they that would have taken a lot of effort for a two-second joke or you find out cost 
a lot of money costs like, you know, 80 grand just to get this five second little joke in there. But uh, that's interesting that you mentioned Coldplay. Coldplay is a band that like people will, I think, usually make fun of you for liking. Um, I like them. Although I've found that like they've, the newer stuff they've made, like I just, I, I'm going to sound so old, but it's like, I don't even get it. Like I don't, I don't follow it. I don't get what this is, but their uh, older stuff. I like, I went to one of their concerts in uh, college. So this is like 20 years ago. And I've never seen anybody rock out on a piano like that guy. Like play a piano I, the way most rock stars would play a guitar. They were here in town two weeks ago, Memorial Day weekend, at Soldier Field. And as you guys know, like the apartment is right next to Soldier Field. So I like could literally crack the windows open and listen to their entire set, their entire show. They had the fireworks going. They rocked that, man. Like people were going crazy. All right, you want to do bullshit? Yeah. This is bullshit. Time to call out the world's hypocrisies with bullshit. High quality bullshit. World class designer bullshit. To be sure. Bullshit. Presented by Sheets and Giggles. They just say whatever they think will interest the audience or make it appear that they know what they're talking about. And what comes out is bullshit. Do you remember when we had Chris Cody on, Russ? And he, we, this is before Sheets and Giggles was a sponsor of us, but they were a sponsor of him. And he, uh, he got the promo code wrong and he also referred to them as and Giggles instead of. Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, I call bullshit. Calling bullshit is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. No bullshit there, man. Go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA and you'll get $23 off your order of the finest, softest, most amazing sheets and other bedding that you'll ever get. No promo code needed. Just go to our link, which is sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. Russ, do you have something you want to call bullshit on this week? Uh, yes. I'm going to call sheet on legendary head coach Pat Riley, who is now executive of the Miami Heat. At his uh, end of the year postmortem, for the heat. He By said, the way, just so you know, this go ahead. Pat, the Pat Riley end of season press conference is like a holiday in South Florida. This is like take the day off of work to hear what Pat has to say at the end of the season. Oh, and and he was saying stuff like the whole thing was was fine, but he was asked about potential retirement, and he said, "Quote: I'm 77 years old, and right now I can do more push-ups than you." Said to the reporter who asked, and uh, Pat, listen, brother. You look good. You're in really good shape. And I'm glad you are taking care of yourself. Um, but listen, you're not doing more push-ups than whatever younger person told you that, unless that person is also in their 60s and or 70s. Uh, I, I appreciate the attempt, Pat. Look, you're you're for 77 years old. You're very young, right? You're still out here. You're running a basketball team. You're out there. You're on the road. But let's be real, Pat. So not a, not a crazy bullshit this week. Just come on, Pat. You're not you're not doing more pushups than the thirty year olds that are covering the Miami Heat. Well, I know some of those guys. It might depend who it is. Tone, is there no. any way? Is there any way you can find out who asked? Tone, can you do some producing? And try to find out who asked Pat Riley this. So the other day I was uh, after he said it, I was with some people and we went through 
And we definitely went through about four or five people like, eh, Pat might have this person, this person, this person, this person, this person. 77. If, uh, if, if our guy Chris Cody's dad is there, he could probably do more than, than Greg Cody. <laughs> but we, we found three or four who were covering the beat in Miami that were like, all right, that person got him. Okay. Well, we'll circle back to that in a few minutes, see if Tony can find out who asked him that question, because I'd love to know that. Um, Russ, I'm calling bullshit. I, I, look, if you're going to aim, aim for the top. I'm calling bullshit on Apple, the company that makes everything that we use, phones. Yeah, that makes our whole lives. Yeah. So they have this new update coming out that has new features for iMessage where you can, I, you have 15 minutes after you send a text, you can edit the text or delete the text even. But I'm calling bullshit on the fact that the most obvious thing we need for texting and and other apps, other like forms of communication have come up with this, and somehow Apple has not come up with this for texting, is to schedule a text. To be able to type a text at uh, you know midnight or 1 a.m. when I'm awake, uh, sometimes that I don't need that maybe for work, like nobody needs to get that in the middle. And I don't want to text somebody in the middle and I don't want to wake them up like that, but I could schedule it for them to get it at, you know, nine in the morning or something like that. Gmail added that future, that feature like a few years ago, Twitter, Twitter, you could always do it through like a third party app, but even Twitter itself added that for schedule a tweet just in the last couple of years. Apple keeps doing all these things and they're not doing Apple even has Russ as part of this update where you'll be able to do it for emails through the email app on your phone, but they don't have schedule a text for texting. You, you would benefit directly from this because a lot. when sometimes I'm awake and uh-huh. I need to get, I need want to communicate something to you, but it's six 30 in the morning yeah. and I'm like, Russ isn't awake. I would love to be able to like schedule that to go to you at 10 30. Yeah, I, I, I've gotten more pre-7 a.m. texts from you than anybody else, uh, aside from my dad and mom, who's up at the time. But I think a lot of brothers out there want to get that good morning text off to their uh, love interest, could definitely benefit from the scheduled text. Uh, that could go bad, though, because if you're asleep after you send the first scheduled text uh, and you get one right back and then there's no response, that could be a little suspect. But that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I, I'm with you on the scheduled text. That would be a uh, welcome sign. But it, I guess uh, unsending text messages is also coming with this new update. We only have 15 minutes, so... Oh, that's that's fine. I don't know how much good that does. If you didn't think about it before you sent it, is whatever thought going to occur to you in the next 15 minutes? Like, listen, a drunk text that you see the next day, it's obviously going to go through. But if I'm risking it all to your whatever love interest, whether you're guy, girl, person, whatever, and you go for a couple minutes without a response, you might want to unsend that joint. Fair. But I'm, I'm, curious, I'm, I'm curious, is it like Instagram where it's like message uh, was unsent by user where they know you sent something, but you unsent it? Probably, I would think. I would think they'd see some kind of notification or something, but I'm not sure. You'll have to get the update and find out. I think it's out now. Tony, do you have a name for us, or do you want to move on and we'll just be in mystery and you can do your bullshit? Everybody's pointing at the Tim Reynolds tweet about it. That's the one that got the most retweets and most, so I'm guessing maybe it was him. He keeps keeps saying, answer reporters, so... I don't think anybody's taking credit for this except for seems like Tim Reynolds is on is the one that tweeted it out. So, all right. So we list we listed Tim Reynolds in our discussion the other day, and we think Pat might have Tim Reynolds. 
I don't want to make any leaps uh, if we don't know exactly who it is. So, Tony, we could call bullshit on you being the littest producer in the game because I think the littest produ- producer in the game would have found a name. But go ahead. I would have had to listen to that, track down the voice, track down whatever place he said. Yep. That. yep. Wow. Yes. Wow. Getting prepared to do right. my bullshit. Yes. Also known as uh, producing. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit on uh, Matt Eberflus. Um, because he is, coach. uh, yes, because he is a hypocrite and a liar. So, Already? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty strong. OTA, in OTAs, Tom. Yeah. He's had the job for a few months, hasn't coached a game yet. What, mm-hmm. uh, what's your basis for this accusation, Tom? So, uh, if you don't know, uh, the Bears have been uh, reprimanded by the NFL for, uh, what, having a, a padded practice when they weren't supposed to. Having contact in practice, contact uh, practice, they ended up. They lost. Uh, they had to have an OTA day scrubbed because of it. That was the penalty. So um, Matt Eberflus, head coach, football guy, um, you require uh, a no tolerance rule for fighting. Uh, you're going to clean up the mistakes of of uh, the players in this organization. Uh, that players must follow the rules and be on time, as in the example made by Jalen Johnson, who was put on the second team. Um, but yet you didn't follow the rules, sir. You know the rules. You know what the NFL required, and you chose not to follow them. So uh, I'm calling bullshit on you, sir. Follow the rules. You want your players to follow the rules? That's a great example there, sir. Head coach, leader, captain, guy. So, yeah. Get your, get, your, get your own house in order before you come sweeping around mine, huh? How about that? Get the beam out of your eye before you look at the speck in mine, my my good sir. So, yeah, how am I supposed to follow a hypocrite? How am I supposed to follow a liar, right? He's telling me to come on the time and, and, and follow the rules, and he didn't follow the rules. So, and, and, and what, if, what, if, what if a player knew that they weren't supposed to be doing that? How are you supposed to tell your coach that? You're putting your players in a bad position where they know they weren't supposed to be doing it. And that's why you got snitched on. Nobody in that locker room trusts you. This is day one of the downfall of Matt oh, Eberflus. Oh, my God. When he said a liar, it, I knew it was going to be an over-exaggeration, but he's taking it off the rails. He really hit the gas at the end of that one. Um, I, I, I agree with the premise of there is way too often a problem with coaches where they demand – discipline and perfection out of their players and then do not show any of that or, or often have lapses in that themselves. But I, I th- Russ, we should have Tony go first in this season. We can just call bullshit on his bullshit the whole time because yeah, yes, Tone, I kind of agree with the premise, but I'm calling bullshit on the fact that most of your rage is because you don't like this guy and you didn't like him from the day his name came up. True. You've been against this guy for, I don't know what reason Facts. from the first time you ever Heard his name? No, like no. I gave, I gave him a shot. This guy. I gave him a shot when I heard his name, and then he started no, he talking, didn't. and then he started talking, and then I was like, "All right, I'm gonna head out." Okay, Russ. Do you know the last coach to uh, violate this rule, by the way, and, and lose an OTA? Uh, was it Matt Nagy? Uh, it was Urban Meyer. Ah, mm, <laughs> good company. Good company. Football genius, Urban Meyer. Uh, Sheets and Giggles sponsors I Call Bullshit. You can go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA, and you will automatically get $23 off your order of luxurious, soft, 100% eucalyptus sheets and other bedding. Sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. Great gift for Father's Day. 
Uh, Russ, would you like to hear the news we didn't get to today? I would. It's pretty much all the news because I'm not sure if we covered anything. News <laughs> oh, shoot. I, I like shows like that. Hey, hey it probably means it was a good show. Yes. Probably means yes. This is the part that will make it count as a sports show. Uh, it's a little, uh, I'd like to start with just a, uh, this will be the appetizer, the uh, hors d'oeuvres for you. Just a, a, uh, a nice, modest selection of NFL notes. Things people said. Cause a sampler, a, if you will. Yes. Yes. A sampler. Would you like to order our uh, triple play? Our sampler. Yes. yes, please. Because we're in OTAs. So it's like non-news becoming news. This is where the NFL manufactures news. And guess what? Everybody fa- falls for it. It works. The NFL is able to get everyone talking about it in May and June uh, because players are at OTAs and they're talking. Nothing has changed, but they're talking. Uh, first off, Aaron Rodgers says that he'll, quote, definitely finish his career with the Packers. So he doesn't know how much longer he's going to play, but it will definitely be with the Packers, according to him. Tony, you don't believe that, I see? No, it's just, it's just kind of like, all right, man. Like, I think I'm kind of done with Aaron Rodgers and everything that he says. Like, it's just it's, it's hogwash, all of it, to me, with Aaron Rodgers. It's, he he broke my trust as an interesting person um, because he – I don't know. He's, I'm just kind of done. Too interesting for you, yeah. I mean, I'm just done with him. I, I can't believe anything he says. Is like, if I can't believe anything you say, I can't really delve into how interesting it is or is or it isn't. So it's just kind of all right, man. Just just play football. Just put, just shut up and throw the throw the ball. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't have any specific reason to doubt him, but I also don't believe him, and also for the same reason because I just wouldn't believe him no matter what. Uh, Raiders quarterback Russ Derek Carr says that he'd be quote just fine with the team signing Colin Kaepernick and he went much further than that he was spoke glowingly and at length about uh, Colin Kaepernick the quarterback and the person Um, do you believe that Derek Carr would be very happy to have Colin Kaepernick with the Raiders sure yeah I also I I rock with Derek Carr uh, now by the way but I mean, like, look, he's not one from a football standpoint. It's like I'm not competing with this dude. Like, sure, like it's nice that it's somebody that's going to be in the quarterback room with you all the time. Somebody you can bounce ideas off of. Uh, and if the guy's a good person, cool. And Derek Carr is it? He's all about being a good person. And if he feels somebody is, there you go. Uh, he learned his lesson from the previous instance where his offensive line uh, didn't like his uh, take on. Uh, Kneeling for the flag, and they let him get rocked. So he learned his lesson. Better say the right stuff about Cap. Uh, I was. It's neither here nor there. Go ahead, Jason. He might also mean it. It's also possible that he genuinely likes the guy. Also and true. Enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. He game. also could learn, and good good so, for learning. So Aaron Rodgers says he's going to definitely play the rest of his career with the Packers. Derek Carr says uh, he's just fine with Colin Kaepernick. And Cam Newton says basically everything else. Cam Newton was on the Pivot podcast and had all kinds of thoughts, said that he put himself in a, quote, bleeped up situation with Carolina where he was uh, the second time around where he was never going to have a chance uh, to be successful because of, you know, he signed on a Thursday and he's playing on a Sunday and starting next week and whatever else. Says that he in 2020 when he was with the Patriots, he was still learning the offense seven or eight weeks in which I know they had to abbreviate a training camp and it was a weird year, but I, I'm not quite sure what 
credible explanation there could be for that. Uh, let's hear some more from Cam Newton, Tone. And now, Tony Gill reads. Fellas. That's always how it starts. What's up? It always starts with fellas, and it always starts very slowly. And with cricket glasses. Yeah, I'm just watching the the clock tick here. Back in the business. Let's go. Tony Gill with glasses. About to read you something. Feel me? Feel me? Let's go. Can he hear us right now? Who? Tony Gill? He left. Uh, This is Tony Gill with glasses. Okay. That answers my question. Cam Newton. Before I sit up here and allow the narrative to be made that Cam ain't got it no more, Cam is taking full responsibility and saying Cam put himself in a pleaped up situation, which then had a ricochet effect. A what? You got to be kidding me. Come on, you know that. Try again. Wait, who? This is Tony Gill back again. You want, you want, you want Tony Gill glasses again? Okay. All right. No, no it's you, fine. You're that, an idiot. That, uh, no, that Russ, that, that, that ricochet effect was uh, <laughs> that it would it made everyone else all, believe that Cam couldn't play anymore. Uh, he says he should still be a starter. That he's one of the best thirty-two. Do you agree, Russ? No, and I might stab Tony Gill with glasses next time I see him. Uh, well, if you don't think that Cam Newton should be a starter, I'll just like we'll ignore the uh, the threat in there. Um, <laughs> Cam Newton would say, "Quote: Then you're a damn fool." Uh, he also went on and he sort of backed off the thing he said in April about how, uh, you know, women should know how to cook and know when to be quiet. Um, let me ask you this. You've not been on hand for any of the Colin Kaepernick workouts. You might have seen clips here and there. Colin Kaepernick would be to us who have not held a workout for him. Kind of a mystery. You can have your opinion on how you think he would fare after what, five years out and at age mm-hmm. 35 or something like that. But you don't really know. You have a little more body of work on Cam Newton because you've seen it on TV. Right now, knowing only what you know, Russ Dorsey, as a football watcher and not an executive, not anyone that could put either of these guys through a workout, would you sign Kaepernick or Cam Newton? Man. I don't want to say it's uh, maybe part of it is recency bias. Wait, wait, I'd wait, say, hold on, wait, hold on, Russ. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing, Jason. See, you know, see who's doing. you know, uh, put a crabs in the barrel mentality. Hey, he's got to be one, oh one brother gosh. of the other brother. Stop I see you, Jason. It. I see you. Stop sir. it, stop, stop it, Tony. That's really nice tone. Thanks. I'm a, I'm ignoring it. Uh, I'm gonna say Colin because I don't know. Where Cam's body is physically, particularly the shoulder, and it, it's still kind of important to be able to throw the football from the quarterback position. I think you're right. I think I agree. You can't go games throwing three passes. Correct. You just can't do that. Can <laughs> Correct. Over in baseball, uh, Joe Madden. Remember him? You guys remember Joe yes. Madden? My boy. Yeah. Uh, well, he was. Well. Your boy. Was, yeah. The no Angels fired boy. him. The Angels fired him after 12 straight losses. The Angels were 27 and 17, looking good. Now they're 27 and 29 at the time of Joe Madden's firing. Uh, they have gone seven straight seasons without making the playoffs. He has not had a winning season with them. It's only this was only his third season. 
and we go now to sports adjacent MLB insider Ross Dursey. Right move or no? You after twelve straight losses, you got to do something. Is it uh, his fault? No. Like is it, they've been two managers now fired within a week of each other. Joe Girardi with the Phillies first, now Joe Madden. Look, you, you, the big deal was you, you had the best player in the world, Mike Trout, have the worst slump of his career over that two week span, and then they lost twelve games. Like it, that's. It's not just a coincidence that that happens. You do you need a new voice? Yeah, because I think in baseball, opposed to like you know football or whatever, there's four months left to to try to salvage your season, and it could still happen. I do think that the Angels have not been to the postseason since 2012. They've underperformed. They have a star-studded roster with a lot of players who are capable of being a top, you know top players in the world, including the best player of a generation in Mike Trout, last year's MVP in Shohei Otani. You got Taylor Ward, who is a first former first-round pick that has been playing like a, a top-ten player in the world. Anthony Rendon, that when he's healthy, is one of the best players in baseball, but he hasn't been healthy. Like They have a roster capable of reaching the postseason, but they've just underperformed. That's not Joe Madden's fault. But at the same time, We've seen it in every sport, like coaches, managers, you're the scapegoat at the end of the day. You're the figurehead. And when those guys don't perform, your head rolls. Tony, I know you're turning your face up because that's your boy. And it doesn't sound good. Like, I get it. But that's what happens. Also, do because here's the thing. You don't fire him and now you've lost 20 games in a row. Now what? Oh, I know. Who to now, your season's, now your season's sunk. Your season's done, right? So you can, you, you. You try to salvage the rest of your season and hoping a new voice sparks guys and 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 but like at the end of the day, like look, it's unfortunate. It's not always fair. It's not all Joe's fault, but at the same time, like they, you couldn't just con- let that continue. Same thing with the Phillies. They underperformed, and that you know, they saw their manager get fired. Um, nobody. Uh, here's my thing. It's Mike Trout. It's Mike Trout's fault. He's been a loser Thank you, his entire oh, professional life. I'm not. I'm not listening to the rest he of this. Is, he is this a loser. No, no, he's supposed to no, be the yeah. best I'm player not to the rest of, of, this of is a generation. To me, as a journalist in our Mike Trout. Mike Trout sets the standard. Mike Trout is the leader of that team. Mike Trout I mean, has not won. Stop. It is Mike Trout. Mike Trout's fault. He needs to. He needs to come to fire. It, I, I understand one coach. Right. Fire Mike Trout. Multiple coaches. Multiple coaches. This Come on, it's, it's, it's on this you, my happens. guy. This is on you. you. Do you want to be no, a winner or not, Tony, my guy? Shut up, Tony. Shut do up. You? Tony, That's stop. all I'm saying. I'm muting Tony. I, I, we hate I don't want to hear. We have to. Yeah, we do because that's idiotic. No, don't you guys. He's, he's done. No, no, f him. No, he, uh, well, no. Here's what he Jason, does. Jason, no, because we enable this behavior and he continues to talk. <laughs> well, here's what he does that is is uh, just incenses me. Is he? We go to you. With all of your uh, love of baseball, knowledge of baseball, you, an expert, and you lay out all these reasons why this is a move that makes sense. And then we go to him, a guy who uh, wants to replace the catcher position, and he says, uh, well, well, I hear what you're saying, but Joe Madden was nice to me on the phone when I worked for Lawrence. Yes. So yes, that's exactly Trump. it. He's the that's best the player. basis of his the argument is that he's a player. This is what he does about everything. Ever seen. 
This is what he does about everything. It's like, I know. if somebody, if someone was cool to me, out of those, and nice to me, out of those two. then I will defend them till the very end, no matter what wrong things they do or how much losing they do. He thinks, like, he loves Tim Floyd because Tim Floyd was cool to him. And Jim Boylan. I don't love Tim yeah. Floyd. I love Jim Boylan. Um, out of those two, one of those guys has a World Series. It's not Mike Trout. Okay, Tony, you've made, you've, uh, Tony, you, you're an idiot. I didn't say he's made his point, but you, you've, you've talked for some period of time. Three time All Star, nine time MVP, just turned 30 years old, is going to be the best player the league has ever seen. But fine, Tony, you're right, because Joe Madden was your boy. Cool. Russ, are you familiar with the Mona Lisa? No, you know what? I'm going back to Tony. Tony, what? You act like Mike Trout's the front office. You act like Mike Trout makes the decisions. You act like Mike Trout's been hiring the managers. Uh, I think Mike. It's Trout, a sport with I, nine players on the field think, at a time. Nine guys. I think Mike. But Trout, it's Mike Trout's fault. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. Mike oh, Trout, oh, Mike oh, Trout oh, don't no. want to win. Oh, no. Mike Trout want to chill. Like Mike Trout never want to win. This, you know how he is. He, he digs in and he's he's just gonna say, oh yeah, oh yeah, and then he's gonna make some point that doesn't make sense to say, you feel me? And he's just gonna wait for you to agree. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't back down on this one. I wish he uh, had a standard. I wish Tony had a standard for himself. Do you want me to do the Mona Lisa one now? Or? Yeah, it's continue. Just do your. You seem kind of mad. You seem like maybe not in the mood for this. Because anymore. if this is one percent better, Tony, I I want. I I would love to see two percent better. Thing about one percent is it's not that much. One percent is very small. Uh, you're familiar with the Mona Lisa, Russ? Yes. Yeah, hot or not, Mona Lisa? Hot or not? Uh, nah, I'm cool. Russ is saying no. Tone? Russ, you got to unmute him so he can talk. He can uh, unmute himself. <laughs> I'm not sure what the point of this would be, but a man threw cake at the Mona Lisa in the Louvre on Sunday. Uh, a 36-year-old man faked a disability so he could use a wheelchair and take advantage of the Louvre's uh, accessibility policies, which allows you to get closer to the, you know, kind of get up close to where you'd be able to see it better. Uh, he also was wearing a wig. I'm not sure. And he, I'm not sure why. And he hid the cake, uh, somewhere on his person, maybe pocket cake. Who knows? Uh, a threw cake at the Mona Lisa, which if you've ever seen it, um, the reason I'm not sure what the point of this would be is that this is a painting that's worth like $850 million. This is the most famous painting in the world they've got it behind bulletproof glass yeah they're not letting you they're not leaving this thing exposed to anything <laughs> happening no. to it no matter regular, how much you make, it's, you it's not about regular it's air it's climate control it's the humidity control and like i don't know why uh when you said the guy faked the disability that made me laugh but it did um to, to, has this guy never seen national treasure <laughs> I know, the, I know one movie, person that almost the movie did. Me and Tony Love, yeah, Jason, yeah, Jason. Uh, if he watched not- National, had he watched National Treasure, he would know that you have to. There are major steps you have to go to get the uh, Mona Lisa out of its bulletproof, climate-controlled, humidity-controlled glass. Maybe it was a symbol, uh, the- more symbolism than anything. That you take care more of this piece of paper than you do people. 
Yeah, maybe. Yo, maybe. hiding a whole cake on your person without smudging the icing <laughs> is hilarious and interesting to me. He's wasting his talent, you're saying, Russ. Yes. Uh, the, the Louvre put out a statement, by the way, saying that the painting was, of course, not damaged in any way whatsoever. Um, have you seen the viral video of a Disney employee ruining an engagement? I did. This was at. This was at Disneyland Paris. I'm glad you've seen the video because I'd like to talk about this um, Disney security guy's 40 times. This guy could, you're, you know, talking about the problems with the Bears wide receivers. This guy, this guy's got a great first step tone. You say that, uh, like, you very rarely get angry about anything. But I'm pretty sure you'd get mad if you were in this situation. A 31-year-old guy from Germany uh, took, his fee- took his girlfriend to Disneyland Paris and wanted to propose there. They're big Disney people. I'm not one of these people, but plenty of people are. Uh, very big into Disney. And he wanted to, he actually was going to propose during like the uh, fireworks show at the end of the night. Well, and couldn't wait. He was so excited. He's so in love. He's so in love. Tone, just like you, the love guru. Uh, so he wants to propose on this. He can't wait anymore. He's going to do it during the day. He wants to propose on this platform that's like right in front of the castle. And he even asked somebody, because it didn't seem like maybe you were allowed up there. He even asked someone, was it okay if he took his girlfriend up there to propose? And the person said yes. And so he gets up there. He gets down on a knee. He pulls out the ring. He proposes. And as she's about to take the ring, a different security guard comes running in, not just running in, running in and takes the ring. And then ushers them down the stairs and says, oh, it'll be much better over here because apparently they're not allowed to be up there. Yeah, this is another example. We talked about the the security guy that got knocked out by the football player because yes, he's doing too at, much. at the Newark airport, this is yes. Another example of somebody doing too much. It ain't that serious, my guy. It's not. That is also the opinion of the Disney company because uh, while that probably is a rule that you're not supposed to be up there, maybe not a rule. You know, Maybe you need to use some discretion and not interrupt uh, a very special moment in somebody's life. And in fact, Disney apologized and Disney offered this man and his fiance now a free weekend at Disneyland uh, as compensation. And the guy said, no, thanks. What we want is the moment and you can't give us the moment back. That's fair. And finally, Russ, uh, a very uh, interesting story, a cool story for these lions. A team of animal activists from the United States, Great Britain, South Africa, and Australia worked together to rescue nine lions from a zoo in the Ukraine and relocated them to a zoo in Romania. It was a three-day operation in Odessa, Ukraine, and it involved a lot of planning. This guy, uh, Lionel Delanga, I believe, is an activist, uh, animal activist in South Africa, and uh, main reasons why they needed to get these lions out of there, there's three of them. One, uh, they were they were potentially going to starve to death because uh, there are no like zoo customers right now in Ukraine uh, because of everything that's going on there. Two, the, the lions could be injured by some kind of military strike. And three, their cages could be damaged by a military strike and not the lions. And then now you have lions running. You, you don't want nine lions running around Ukraine. So uh, a very nice effort by these people. Uh, the biggest lion of the nine that they were able to rescue and transport weighed 550 pounds. All right. All right. That is. Russ, uh, are, you, are you risking your life going into an active war zone to rescue lions from a zoo? I'm not rescuing much of anything in an active war zone. No. Okay. 
just so we know. Uh, Tony looks like he's choking on something there, or having a gas pain, or acid reflux. Tony, you're eating <laughs> during the show. Or one of those things. No, his voice is just a little dry. This, you know what? It's like having it's. This is a lot like parenting. In fact, often this reminds me of parenting. The things we have to do on the show with you. Maybe easier parenting your kids is probably easier. Well, because we did this thing where you're like. All right, we'll mute you. And he's like, perfect. Now I can eat this Caesar salad and wash it down with this ice cream. And and slurp yogurt. Yeah, slurp up some soup or something. And it's just like with your kids where you're like, all right, fine. Go to your room. And then you remember like, oh, all the fun things they love are in their room. This is not a punishment. Punishment. That's our That's life. That's our life. Here. Yes, absolutely. We're That's running a business. Or at least we say we are. We pay. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. As uh, I, I realize every month when I look at the account. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of Sports Adjacent, episode number 66. Uh, uh, as always, make sure you're supporting our great sponsor sheets and giggles when i say this is an excellent partnership it truly is and we appreciate them helping uh, our listeners out we appreciate our listeners helping them out uh go to sheetsgiggles.com slash sa to get 23 dollars off your next order of fantastic sheets quilts comforters throw blankets whatever you want they got it uh and it, it's really, and we don't just say it like we have them. I've purchased sheets myself. They are high quality, the best sheets I've ever slept on. You get a really great night's sleep uh, courtesy of Sheets and Giggles. So sheetsgiggles.com forward slash SA to get 23% off your next order. You guys have been doing a great job uh, watching the clips on Twitter and social, uh, sharing the podcast, listening to the podcast, continue to do that. Tell somebody new about this podcast you like listening to. If you're on a long drive, I know you know gas prices are up, so uh, making the most of your time in the car, listen to the podcast. If you're at a barbecue, you're doing something, put us on in the background. We have really good content for background uh, evergreen episodes. So if you missed the episode, you can go back and listen. We have stuff that you can listen to and still enjoy. Uh, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your audio content. Gentlemen, anything before I let the fine folks go? Russ, what's the most you've paid to fill up your tank during this? Not, the, not, the, per, not the per gallon, but the total. Bro, price. bro, literally last week I paid for the most for gas I've ever paid. And I went outside of the city because I'm not yeah. going to buy gas. And it's, it's an extra dollar in the city. Yes. I went out to the burbs when I went to go get my go to my barber to get my beard uh, lined up. I paid $80 even to fill up my tank two days ago. And you drive a normal car. You drive a sedan. No, I, I drive a Kia Optima. Yeah. Uh, I drive a sedan, too, and I paid 88 the other day total. This is getting crazy yeah. out here, man. Yeah. We'll talk about that see, at some see, point. Like you said, time. evergreen topics, gas prices, yes. the weather, uh, you know, whatever. Tony. Tony we, not being good at the job. All a, a, a recurring segment right there. Tony, <laughs> we pay you to produce the show. Sheets and Giggles pays you to endorse their product. Give the people, as they consider great gifts for Father's Day, give the people one of your signature Sheets and Giggles endorsements. Mothers out there, get that man in your life. The sheets You've and done giggles. this one. Stop. Con. Get, 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 get that man in your life. You did this one already. You didn't know where I was going. 
Right. He ruined Stop. the whole Excuse momentum. Me. I'm sorry for, uh, you know. He stole the moment like the guy at Disney. Right. Thank right. you. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, he stole sure. the moment. Sure. It, was gonna be, it was about to be just as special. I, I just get, I get exasperated because I know you're doing like the same thing you've already done and that you didn't come up with one this week. Go ahead, Tone. Go I was going to say, was, gonna say, get the man in your life, the father in your life, the sheets and giggles so he can knock it out of the park. Respectfully. <laughs> You're quoting Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson. <laughs> with all due respect. And with that, we will catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sports Adjacent with Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey. Be sure to download, subscribe, and give the podcast five stars. You can check out the latest episode of Sports Adjacent on all digital streaming platforms. I'm very much adjacent. For a couple hours, I thought I was hood. But then all that happened, I was like, you know what, James? You adjacent to the mother For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.